Key Aero, your aviation destination. Military Aviation. Hello and welcome to episode two of the Air Warrior podcast, bringing you all the news and key talking points from military aviation, from deployments and exercises to attrition and procurement. I'm your host, Richard Thomas, and this week we're going in-depth on some of the action from Mont-de-Marsan as the US Air Force F-35s and French Rafales go through their air defense phase of Atlantic Trident, and we touch base again with CSG-21 as F-35s conduct missile tests in the Hebrides. All of that coming up a little later in the show. The news this week. Aircraft and personnel assigned to the 134th Fighter Squadron and 158th Maintenance Group of the Vermont Air National Guard travelled to the US Air Force's 48th Fighter Wing at RAF Lakenheath in April to perform tests alongside personnel from the F-35 Joint Program Office and members of the US Air Force Research Laboratory. These tests were conducted to collect acoustic and bioenvironmental data in protective aircraft shelters specific to the F-35A Lightning II, using microphones and sensors on and around the aircraft to obtain accurate noise level assessments. Air quality sampling equipment was also positioned around the concrete shelter and in the cockpit. The testing was conducted in preparation to base two US Air Force squadrons of approximately 24 F-35As each in the UK, with the first two jets scheduled to arrive towards the end of 2021. Two US Navy operating McDonnell Douglas T-45C Goshawk land carrier-based jet trainers assigned to Training Squadron 22 were involved in a mid-air collision over Texas on May the 17th. The incident occurred at 1100 hours central time over Ricardo, Texas, located approximately nine miles south of Naval Air Station Kingsville. One aircraft was able to land safely back at the nearby naval base while the other aircraft crashed following the collision. The instructor and student pilot aboard the stricken Gossuk were able to safely eject from the jet trainer before it crashed. The McDonnell Douglas T-45C Goshawk entered operational service with the US Navy in December 1997. Air Force's intelligence data states that the Air Arm presently maintains a fleet of 192 examples of the land carry-based jet trainer, which is a modified variant of the British Aerospace Hawk family. This incident marks the second case of attrition to strike the US Navy's T-45C fleet this year. And finally, the French Armament General Directorate has confirmed an option to Airbus helicopters for two additional H-160 helicopters for the French Navy. The aircraft will join four H-160s already contracted in 2020, the first of which is currently being assembled by Airbus helicopters in Marinan in France. The six H-160s will be delivered in a search and rescue configuration and are due to begin operations in May 2022. The H-160s will be modified into a light military configuration by Babcock, which will integrate the Saffron Electronics and Defense new generation electro-optical system Euroflare 410. And that is the news. Let's turn now to the modern military aviation team at Key Aero. And that means hello again to group editor Alan Warns and assistant editor Caleb Chapman. Hello, both. Hi, hi, Richard. Hello there. Just want to add a few little snippets of news that I picked up this week. Uh, it was nice to see the first arrival of the uh, two new 882 firebusters at Gaster in Sweden this week. Uh, it represents an increase in the Saab's firefighting fleet. Uh, as the summer season approaches. Uh, in the past, they've had two fire bosses and now are increasing it to four. As many of you might know, many countries in Europe, as well as the USA, use civilian companies to work alongside the military. And we will be looking at this in their forthcoming issues of Air Force Monthly and Combat Aircraft. The Croatian Air Force operates fire bosses uh, themselves. And they're probably the only air arm in Europe to use the fire boss. 
but then they operate them with big floats, which look very nice. Mm. And on the subject of Croatia, there is speculation that the Air Force there will announce the procurement of a new fighter for the third time. Previous winners have been the Saab Griffin and ex-Israeli F-16s. Next Friday, the 28th of May, which is Croatian Armed Forces Day, with many local newspapers predicting that the French Rafales won. Uh, that's going to be interesting, but let's see. Indeed, let's see indeed. Well, uh, first off then, I want to go and touch on CSG 2021. Defence Twitter basically set fire to itself um, because you had pictures of the Queen Elizabeth and the Prince of Wales sharing the same space of sea. So, Caelan, give us, <laughs> give us uh, some flavours to what sort of significance that uh, moment actually is. Well, it signals the UK is back in the carrier business. Uh, after 10 years without a strike aircraft or carriers, uh, we're back in that uh, domain. So basically, Strike Warrior has been taking place off the coast of Scotland for the last few weeks. And uh, on its way back from Strike Warrior, QE uh, met up with its sister ship, HMS Priest of Wales, which is undergoing sea trials at the minute for a nice little cheeky photo shoot. So yeah, that's what that is. Um, So on Wednesday, HMS Queen Elizabeth and her task force returned to Portsmouth, where they will stock up and make final preparations for the maiden deployment, which is going to start this weekend. Um, A little bit of insight into Strike Warrior. It's basically a part of Joint Warrior, which is famously held twice a year. And it is designed to push the carrier strike group to its operational limits. It's mm. basically a 150 aircraft, 20 warships, and three submarines from 10 different nations that have come together for a UK-led multinational event uh, to basically test uh, the uh, task force's ability to respond to a variety of crises and conflict situations, um, basically to ensure that it's ready to face any scenario on its way to the Far East. More importantly, basically a pair of F-35Bs from um, 617 Squadron launched a pair of ASRAMs at um, a pair of kinetic operating Mirac 150 jet-powered subsonic aerial target drones. This is massive because it was the first at-sea live missile firing from a British fighter aircraft in pretty much 15 years. Hmm. This is basically the reminder that um, we've got a strike capability back in our naval domain. Sure. Does this effectively mean then that the F-35, that the UK-operated F-35s have successfully integrated most of the weapon stores that they expect to use during the flight, I assume? Um, arguably, the F-85s are relatively limited in, their, in the munitions they can employ. Um, Meteor's not been integrated onto them yet. Um, ASRAM is pretty much their only air-to-air missile. Um, and the, the number of, sort of surface attack munitions is also very limited. This is where the Wildcats and the Martlets will come into play massively if mm. there are surface engagements at close range. Mm. Um, the F-85s, though, um, it, they, they are new. 
they will end up coming into their own and their choice of munitions will be vastly expanded over the coming years. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Good stuff. Um, moving on to exercise uh, Atlantic Trident. Um, I don't know an awful lot about it being a relative newcomer to the air domain. So Alan, can you give us an idea as to what this is all about? Yeah. Atlantic Trident is a, a fourth, fifth fighter, fourth and fifth generation fighter integration exercise. Uh, there's been two previously, with the last one taking place at Langley Air Force Base in Virginia back in April 2017. And it's when uh, the US Air Force F-35 Lightning, uh, Rafale, French, Air, French Air and Space Force Rafales and uh, RF Typhoons worked together. In, in the past, it's also included F-22 Raptors, but of course, they're not here this time. Uh, so... We saw 12 F-35A Lightnings arrive at Mont-de-Marsan in southwest uh, France on May the 10th. And they're now working with French Air Force Rafales in the Atlantic Trident. The, the UK is also bringing their, or providing nine squadron typhoons and Voyager tankers. And the HMS Queen Elizabeth II will be, also be involved with both the, the British and the US Marine Corps F-35Bs. But so far, they haven't been involved. Uh, as Cadence mentioned earlier, they've been involved in Exercise uh, in the in the Atlantic and also um, it's now enforcement. So uh, an RF, I spoke to an RF spokesman this uh, week. He told me that the CSG twenty one will be tested. Effectiveness uh, will be tested and allow some valuable training of this new element of UK defence during Atlantic Trident. It will provide an invaluable opportunity to gain further experience in operating Lightning F thirty five B from the Queen Elizabeth class carriers which will be key to delivering the full operating capability by the end of 2023. Yeah, so there's a lot of movement flying going on among the Mars at the moment. Babak Tagvi is down there, one of our correspondents. Uh, he's been down there for a few days. He told me there's been a lot of French fighters, uh, Rafales and US Air Force F-35s flying. Uh, and all RAF fighters have been involved too. Uh, it's been, they've been focusing on uh, dissimilar air combat training and CAP over the skies of France. There's also French and RAF tankers involved as well as AWACS. So it must be uh, pretty exciting times up there. But what I'm fascinated by is the security at the base. Because I know that both the French and the US Air Force are pretty good on uh, gleaning as much information as they can about opposing forces aircraft. Now, yeah, the French are allies with the US and vice versa, but they both will still want to know as much as they can about each other's aircraft. And what I find also interesting is that at Mont-de-Marsan, that is the French Aeronautical Research and Test Centre, known as CIEM, uh, Centre d'Expertise Orient Militaire, which has a tracking listening device known as Turet, which they often place on the centre section of the runway. It's a truck with a big antenna. And in the past, they've been able to track things like MiG-29s that went to Paris several years ago. Uh, the way they do it is they, they position this close to the runway. And as soon as the jets take off, they get a radar lock because usually the jets have kept their radar on in case of bad weather or to get a full picture of the pattern so they don't mess up on arrival. So it'll be interesting to see what this turret system is picking up. And, of course, the French will have E3s monitoring. 
the, 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 on, the, on the other side, the US will be happy to see all the RBE2I, the radar working and tracking in the, in the exercise. And the US will be keen to see the magnificent data fusion on the Rafale in action. The USAF, of course, want to collect this information for their own electronic warfare threat libraries and other self-defense systems. Because remember, the likes of Qatar, Egypt, India, and Greece have bought that aircraft. Me as their friends now, it doesn't mean that they're going to be friends in the future. So the US want to be sure they know what they might come up against. So, Alan, I was, I was just sorry. Let, let, let me jump in. I mean, I was, I was going to ask you the obvious question of what this exercise is all about, and you, you gave us the corporate line from the MOD, which is about improving readiness and 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 sort of commonality and and, and joint operational capability. But really interesting, you just pointed out then that actually not an ulterior motive, but another motive for these air forces to participate in this exercise is to learn to glean information about what their allies' capabilities are surreptitiously. I mean, it it, it seems pretty extraordinary to me, but is this common common practice? Oh, yes. I've been told by a, a French colleague that the US uh, tried to extract information clandestinely from a Mirage 2000D, uh, which actually mixed up the aircraft and cost a lot of money to repair. So, yeah, it, it happens. And I'm sure the US are looking quite closely at Typhoon's capabilities to every every aircraft because although these are allies, they still want to know what their capabilities are in case those systems fall into the hands of future enemies. So you can understand why they do it. And I think the level of security there is <laughs> can be measured by what's happened to the press day, which was planned on May the 25th. Uh, it was originally pl- planned on uh, next week, and then on May the 19th, on Wednesday, all the press were instructed that only static photos can be taken of one Rafale and one F-35. There'll be no dynamic photography, no action images at all during the whole day, all according to a new US F-35 security policy, which is overruling the French. Not surprisingly, many of the press are cancelling the trips to Montbrun-Marsan, which for some could be a 1,000-kilometer drive and would include two expensive COVID-19 tests. But it probably gives us some good insight into what's going on with security at the base. Mm, mm, For sure, for sure. And and, and furthermore, if if people want to glean this information, uh, Richard, they can go down to the end of the runway and, and, and catch them coming in. I mean, they can look underneath and see what's on the aircraft. They can, they can sort of see a lot of stuff on these platforms without having to take photos. You can take the photos outside. You can't take them on the base. It's all a bit mad, really. Yeah, yeah, indeed. I mean, we've, we've talked at length over the past couple of podcasts about what the F-35 is, what it's capable of, and what it will, will be capable of in the future. But what about the, um, the other sort of two main players in, in, in sort of NATO's air forces, which would be the Typhoon and the Rafale? And these are Obviously, very, very capable platforms. I'd probably call them four and a half generation, I guess, um, unless, unless you two can actually correct me on that. I mean, could, can either of you give us an idea as to how capable these platforms are? Because they've, particularly the Typhoon, has been around for quite some time, um, but it's gone through a lot of operational upgrade packages to get to the version it's at now, right? Yeah, yeah, that's right. It went through Project Centurion, which uh, became uh, IOC in the initial operations clearance back in uh, early 2019 to ensure that the uh, the tornado could be replaced. But it's got some very capable avionics now too. It's not just all about uh, the weapons on the aircraft. 
and it'll be working alongside the the the, the Rafales and the F-35s to, as a as a combined force. I mean, the data linking, for example, uh, will be will be done, and there'll be lots of other things that uh, the the Rafale and the, the Typhoon can bring, which will complement the F-35 in the way they go to war. And these air force are conducting these exercises to ensure they act as one package, and if there are any chinks in their armory, they are being covered. What about then for the for the for the Rafale? Obviously, we talked at the at the top of the program that it could be a contender for the Croatian fighter program. It's had some successes, of course, in sales into into Egypt, and I'm not sure somewhere else. Caleb, you might be able to help me. But Caleb, what what, what how how capable is this platform? What sort of um, uh, upgrade iterations has it gone through? Well, the F3R standard Rafale is the most enhanced variant of the fighter to date. It's the result of a joint venture between Dasso, MBDA, Safran, and Talis, um, which was signed in 2013. And basically, it is a, it's arguably a different aircraft to what it used to be. Same with the Centurion Typhoon. So the Rafale features the uh, RBE2. It's an active electronically scanned array radar. Uh, it's capable of being equipped with the Meteor Beyond Visual Range Air-to-Air Missile, a uh, product of MBDAF, of course. Um, France actually accepted it in July 2019 before declaring IOC in December that year. Not all of their referrals have been uh, upgraded to F3R standard. Which is interesting in the fact that Greece earlier this year ordered a bunch of secondhand Rafales from the French Air Force, along with, I believe, six, maybe, I'm not up on the numbers right now, but new build examples. Mm. Um, it'd be interesting if the Rafales that go from the French Air Force to the Hellenic Air Force will be normal and not upgraded to F3R. And the replacements that the French will get from the Greeks um, will be FRIRs, and it's a way that they can bring their whole fleet up to standard um, without having to mass replace or upgrade their own aircraft. The same could happen with Croatia, if local reports are believed. But the F uh, French Air and Space Force are continuing to develop the fighter. Um, no doubt with even better data fusion and other capabilities that come along with the F3R. Um, but that's a conversation for the other time with the F4 standard. So I guess just, just finally, we've, we've mentioned the fact that, uh, you know, Rafale uh, has had some successes in in the export markets. I mean, why do you think that is? It's, it's up against some pretty stiff competition with, you know, programs into Egypt. What kind of, what kind of capabilities does Rafale have that, sets itself aside, let's say, from other options of the F-35 and the, and the Typhoon? Well, the, the biggest factor, undoubtedly, is uh, Rafael's non-ITAR. And if you look at what's going on now, a lot of countries are getting really hacked off with the ITAR regulations. Uh, and Qatar, Egypt, India and Greece have all bought the aircraft. And Qatar, Egypt and India wanted it specifically the long-range cruise missiles, and the Americans are not willing to sell this as part of uh, ITAR to these countries. So 
that's why a lot of them now are going to the French because they will. Yep. Caleb, final thought? It is uh, interesting to add that all of the uh, customers for the Rafale of late, Greece, India, um, they've all been um, they've all been Dasso customers for years. It's it's not something that's new for them really. Croatia would be a new a new customer for them, but Greece, India, Egypt, um, Qatar, they've bought Dasso for a long long time. But the year's not over yet. Uh, Finland and Switzerland both have their fighter competitions to to reveal. So uh, it'll be interesting if the Rafael wins in there too. Indeed, it will be. It's fair to say that, yeah, Qatar, Egypt, India and Greece have all bought the um, Raj 2000 and undoubtedly the uh, Rafael will be able to continue the excellent lineage that the uh, Raj 2000 has given to to both all four of them countries in the last 20 to 30 years. Yep, indeed. Great insight. Gentlemen, thank you very much for your time. We'll leave it there for our listeners. If you'd like to learn more about the topics discussed in this podcast, visit the Key Aero and Air International website. But for now, until next week, thanks for tuning in. This has been a podcast from Key Aero, your aviation destination. Remember, visit www.key.aero for more of the same. Thanks for stopping by, and we hope to catch up with you again soon.